When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk. We're getting this to you late on Wednesday because it's signing day. I am, I, I think, the biggest dud of a story I ever did in my whole life. I can't remember how many years ago it was now, but on National Signing Day, what remember I did it on National Singing Day. I wanted to know if there was a National Singing Day because everybody, I always get the I transpose the letter sometimes and I call National Signing Day, National Singing Day. And there's not a National Singing Day, but there's a World Singing Day. So I talked to the guy who was the founder of World Singing Day and I was like, hey, it's Singing Day instead of Signing Day. And I wrote a story about it. Eleven people read it. So it's Signing Day. It's not Singing Day. And it's not it's actually not that interesting of a signing day for Ohio State. It's about as interesting as Singing Day compared to some signing days past. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We talked to Ryan Day for about 45 minutes. We're recording this starting at 3.45 Wednesday afternoon. We'll get this to you Wednesday night. Here's the dilemma, guys. I have, Ryan Day was dropping nuggets about this during the course of the news conference where I finally he was talking about how many players they want at each position on the roster. And I finally said, can you just tell us the number you want at every position so we know how you would build your ideal roster? And he did that. And it doesn't really go against anything we didn't know before, but it was like a definitive all at once kind of thing. And I am so excited about that. I want to do a complete roster reset with how is the team? Are they at the numbers they want to be at at each position? And what kind of shape are they in at each position group now and for the future? And that's like a three hour podcast. And we should probably do it in February, but I kind of want to do it right now because I'm fired up about it. But if we maybe should just talk about what we learned on signing day for 40 minutes and we could do that when we could do this later. What should we do? I think we should save the other one because we don't know if there's going to be other roster changes in the next month. It makes more sense in, to do that in spring because even then you can kind of project not, not you might leave spring. after the spring. Not, not the spring, but, but spring. before. I mean, like the, the, to lead into spring football is we're what not I mean. saving it to the spring. We're, we're, we're doing it at the latest in mid-January. Because the one thing we that we could do right now, if we did it now, Ryan Day is talking about, well, they have 18. They released the 17 guys they signed, plus uh, Gabe Powers is signing on Fridays. So that's the 18. He said we're going to get at least 20. So they have a couple more spots. But it would help tell us the spots. If we just did a little bit of numbers, it would help tell us the spots where they might be getting a guy. 
where they're short on their number. Maybe we not the full evaluation. I mean, we can, we can, I think it can, it can guide the conversation. Today. I don't think it needs do to be the crux. Pod. You don't want to be a three hour pod. Is that the thing? You guys don't want to do a three hour pod right now? I don't. Nathan's I mean, I'm, sc- I'm scheduled to make chili really. here when we're done. God it's forbid we interfere with four. Nathan's chili <laughs> schedule. It is that chili time of year. I just have to start the chili. Then the chili cooks itself, you know, and just on the stove. Is it? Is it that chilly time time of year in terms of like the weather or the food? Both. That's that's the great thing about it. I would say chilly time. Chilly time is fall time more than winter time, in my opinion. Is that fair? I think the ulti- the optimal chilly window is probably from like mid October to mid December. Is that fair? Or do you think um, it extends into January and February? No, for us, it's it's pretty much until probably until early spring. For the Baird family, every day. <laughs> Maybe you're just not season. eating the right chili. So, all right, I'm going to run down. Did you guys think that we learned a ton about the class and stuff? Are we going to have an interesting 45-minute podcast if we focus um, on what Ryan Day said? Yeah, I, I think not really. I'm, I, I, I kind of asked, like, hey, can you tell us why Devin Brown ended up here? And I think he gave a good rundown of how that all kind of played out here. Um and then he got asked a million questions about, hey, is Caden Curry underrated? Which, yes, he's very, very good, but I don't know if we needed seven yeah, questions about it. We're not doing like, this Caden Curry underrated podcast. Yeah, like, not a I'm just podcast. like, we didn't need seven questions to that. But I did think his, his breakdown of okay. um, how they ended up with Devin Brown was good. But other than that, no, we didn't learn a lot about that. I'm going to stop asking you guys what you want to do, and I'm just going to start talking about what I want to talk about. Here, let's <laughs> talk about Terrence Brooks off the top, and then we'll do some number stuff. They lost Terrence Brooks. He's a top 100 corner. And Steven, it seems like they were surprised and borderline. I don't know what I want to say blindsided, but they weren't sometimes. And I think, listen, recruit Buckeye talk listeners, you know, this stuff by now, sometimes there are flips that are more like shoves than flips that it's the school kind of cooled on a kid. Sometimes there are flips that are sort of like mutual flips that Mm -hmm. if both were still into it, they'd still do it. But like, it kind of feels like sometimes there's a flip that the school really kind of wishes the kid would stick around, but they also see the writing on the wall and they kind of know that eh, we're prepared for it. And then sometimes it's like, what? And this was a little more toward the what side of things, Stephen. This is Ter- Terrence Brooks, a Texas kid flipping to Texas on signing day at a position of cornerback where the Buckeyes certainly could use him and have a very good history. And it surprised him. You know, it's crazy. You just described the four types of flips you see in recruiting, and they had all four of them <laughs> in this class with a guy, Jaheim Singletary, Desan McCullough, Terrence Brooks, and Benji Gosnell. All of those guys fit one of those flips. So the I'll Benji, let you guys... Gosnell, Benji Gosnell is, we found some better players. That's a little bit of a shove, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, you've got five tight ends on the roster, you're and good. then you've got one coming in, and you might go get a transfer. You're good. And, and then, then the, and so which is, so which is the next one? Writing on the wall is definitely Jaheim Singletary. It's like, that like we Ohio want to state wanted in, but they weren't surprised when it happened. Correct. And then the son is like, kind of, you get it. You kind of shove him Mutual. out the door. because it's Yeah. It's like, all right, you're going to go play with your family. We can't like, I, I, I had an assistant coach tell me, like, yeah, we kind of told him to go do that. So like, that's mutual. And then obviously Terrence Brooks is the wait, what, 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 yeah. what uh, Texas put up a video of the moment that, 
Terrence Brooks announced that he was picking uh, Texas and they were like celebrating as if they had just found out as well. So it seems like the world all found out together that Terrence Brooks was going to Texas officially found out. We talked about Terrence Brooks being a potential flip on our preview pod for Tuesday. Yes. No. no, So let me get into it. So let me get into that. The smoke that we were hearing is the same smoke they were hearing where it was kind of 50 50. You're not really sure, but like you probably think he's going, I'm not going to say they're a blind side. It's not to the extent of like, it was not out of the blue, but it's not like you could go to them and they'd be like, yeah, this is happening. They no, were, this was, they were hearing it in real time, just like everybody else was. But it's just the difference of, we talk about stuff. We do, we do five podcasts a day, but, but sometimes the schools know exactly what's up. A, at mm-hmm. a time when there's to us, there's a little bit of smoke, but the school is like, no, no, no. We like we know exactly what's happening. And then sometimes this was more that, yeah, there was the smoke, but it was also only smoke to the school, which makes it tough, Nathan. I mean, there there have been days. This was a little bit of a tough signing day because, again, this happens all the time. We're the media. We like shiny things. The stuff that happens later gets more attention than the stuff. Listen, if Caleb Burton had committed to Ohio State on Wednesday, it's like, oh, my God, Sark is getting rolling in Texas. Ohio State just lost Quinn Ewers, who is one of Caleb Burton's best friends. But the Buckeyes land Caleb Burton, a top 100 receiver. Wow, Brian Hartline does it again. It's like Caleb Burton's been committed for a year. So it's like, oh, they got Caleb Burton. So, right, so we understand that. But given that, sometimes, Nathan, Ohio State, like, wins signing day. We always bring this one up because I have a terrible memory. It's what I remember. Von Bell signed on signing day. That was a big, stinking deal. Michigan, like, lost some guys on signing day, but also signed some guys. Texas got some flips today, right? Florida State lost a bunch of guys. Bama got some guys today. Texas A&M got some guys today. Ohio State got Caden Curry on Tuesday, right? So he's a late guy. Mm-hmm. but they lose Terrence Brooks on this day. They don't add anybody. It's a little bit of a, you know, with recency bias, a little bit of a, of a down note to finish it off for now. Uh, I think so. Yeah. And, and also the places where they missed, and I I'm, it, that's not a word that I love, but the places where they missed the most um, playoff of are, are, are connected. Like they, you, you, you lose the top cornerbacks that you were going for when Singletary decommitted and when, when Brooks flips now and you don't land the highly sought after safeties that you're going for. So like that combination, I think if I was a fan would leave me um, unsatisfied with this class that yes, it's good that they did a number of other good things, but you potentially left yourself especially exposed in one whole area of the field in a way that I don't think you're used to seeing happen with Ohio state. And I think it's a good reminder that because the only other time where they've had a year like this recently, where it felt like, and that this class, that class wasn't even this highly ranked, but was in the transition year, right. Between urban day and or urban Meyer and, and Ryan day. And I think this is a reminder that when things don't go Ohio state's way and there is some uncertainty, you know, Ryan day tried to like write off whether uncertainty in the, on the defensive staff played any role, but Xavier Nwankpa pretty much, put it out there that it was, that they did play a role, at least in the way that he was approaching his own commitment. So I think it's a reminder that Ohio State is not invulnerable to those um, forces that would affect any recruiting class under those circumstances. 
So I don't want to cover any old ground on this. We did a whole signing day preview thing that was the Tuesday pod. And really the only thing that has changed from what we thought on Tuesday was the Terrence Brooks flip, right? So that's why we're focusing on this. And as you said, Nathan, we talked on Tuesday, hey, he might flip. He did. They didn't add anybody new. They didn't lose anybody else. So we already covered where they're strong, where there's some holes in this class, that kind of thing. I do want to make sure we have a handle on what's up. I asked Ryan Day, one of my favorite topics, as people have known for the last 17 years, is roster management. I love counting the numbers. How are you going to get there? Here's where you are now. With the extra COVID year that everybody has, it's like, it's not impossible, but it's hard enough math that I'm like algebra two. I'm like good to like algebra two. Like algebra one's like A plus B equals C. And algebra two is like, X plus Y equals Z. And I'm like, I'm good with, with X. I can handle X. But this stuff now is like geometry. It's angles. It's a little calculus. I took calculus senior year. I went on a trip to Russia with our student exchange club. I missed like two weeks of calculus. I came back. I didn't know anything. And I dropped calculus and took typing. And I'm a sports writer and I tell I type every day and I don't okay. calculize. I don't calculize ever. So take that calculus. But can I, I say I something real quick? Go ahead. I think that might be the best way you've ever aged yourself on this pod by saying you took typing. Type oh, by the way, you know what I did in typing, by the way? Two things in typing. One, I learned the, the only thing there's two things that I learned in, in school that I do every day still because they didn't have a talking class back then. God, I would have failed that. But like English word stuff, you know, like the words and stuff like that mm. is important. And then you've got to type them out. I still can't just tell a robot to type for me. So that typing class was like the most valuable thing I ever took in my also met a girl. Boom. Take that calculus. I never met a girl in calculus class. Stupid calculus. Called, so what it's anyway. called calculus, not calculus. Hey, uh, what I was going to say was, I feel like when it comes to roster management, all of the these things that are just now they've been introduced just since the summer, right? The, the these new variables of the NIL and stuff, and maybe we can talk about that more. But it feels to me like if you were taking uh, algebra and you're just getting used to numbers and letters, and all of a sudden you just introduce shapes. And now shapes yeah. mean something and you have to just like figure it out on the fly. What do the shapes mean? And everybody's trying to figure it out on the fly at the same time. One time in physics, in physics class, this is, I, I, I took the classes just long enough to get them like on my uh, transcript for college. And then I was like, I'm out of here, but I, I did, I did finish physics, but I don't remember anything, but I do remember this. My physics teacher asked us, he said, how do we calculate, how do you calculate what one second is, right? And he was asking this in physics class. So he was looking for some relationship of, I think, like the speed of light divided by something else. But like, how do we measure one second? And I raised my hand and I said, one hippopotamus. <laughs> and... I was being serious. I thought he meant like colloquially, like, how do we, how do we count one second? It's like, I don't know, one hippopotamus, two hippopotamus. And there's like, I, if I saw a guy from my hometown today and I was walking down the street, he would walk up to me and say, what hippopotamus? Cause it was the dumbest thing I ever said out loud. And this is, I'm a person who does 10 podcasts a week. Imagine if like Pythagoras or whoever had just stopped there. Like, we don't need to keep doing math. It's one, one hippopotamus. What are we, what, what, I'm done. Let's go, let's go eat some grapes. 
that, that's like what if I had another podcast? It's going to be the one hippopotamus podcast for this the stupidest thing. That'd be a good podcast to have guests on and say, "What's the stupidest thing you ever said out loud?" One hippopotamus would be a great name for like your production company. <laughs> like at Take the end that. of it, like at the end of the sitcom, and it would be like one hippopotamus. It's like an like Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, everything in my life is just an answer to all the calculus and physics teachers in my life that I disappointed. Okay, so here's my point. I've given up on trying to calculate like how they get to the 85 because it's a little pointless when normally on this day, I'm like, hey, you're at this. This class gets you to 89. It looks like you're you're how many guys you think you're going to leave for the NFL, that kind of thing. Right. I did quick math, just taking out like Garrett Wilson, taking out the scene, excuse me, the obvious seniors. And then assuming Nicholas Petit Frere goes, assuming Garrett Wilson goes, like a maybe on Zach Harrison, but maybe probably goes, right? I think they're kind of like between like 79 and 82 right now, which is a little on the low side. And some of that's like Cam Babb counting as a scholarship. But at some point, if he can't play, he'll maybe will become a hardship guy who still keeps his scholarship. It doesn't count in the 85 anymore. It's like he hasn't played yet. They could go. I think they, they could be a little higher here. They're not at 18 right now because they're crunched. They're at 18 right now because like Singletary flipped and they never replaced him. They lost Brooks on signing day. Like a couple of these things happened where – Nathan, they Ryan Day did say they're going to get to at least 20. So we expect they're going to add at least two more high school guys by the late signing period in February. This is kind of why I want to do the numbers. Like, who could they be? But that also leaves open. I asked Ryan Day a portal question, and he went into a long answer that basically boiled down to, we don't want to build our team in the portal, and we're not saving a bunch of portal spots. We're not that I, I thought, Nathan, there was actually room for him to be like, you know what, we really are, we're thinking we might add two or three portal guys for this one year. And he really did not go there. He really stuck to the thing we've talked about, and he said before, which is the targeted guy for a specific spot, maybe they'll add one. But they're a little under right now, which to me means like they're, they are a little bit open for business for the right guys, both in the high school ranks and the transfer ranks. I think that they could add another at least three, four, five guys before spring football starts. Well, but what he really said to me, and maybe you heard it differently, but when you asked about holding a spots for the transfers, wasn't his response more like, well, we don't really know where we're at numbers wise, because that could change any day. So mm-hmm. it, I think his philosophy was it's hard to hold spots back for transfers and not take high school guys or whatever in those spots because then you end up losing other guys anyway and now you still have those holes still in the long run you know what i mean like that that you that the holes are maybe still going to happen by just the natural attrition that will happen well i mean the, the one thing i want to get across is 18 for them is low yes yes but the reason it is low is not because they aimed low because of a roster crunch Right. That that's part of that point, because I sort of like it's like I, I sort of like, are you saving spots, more spots for portal guys? Is, is that I didn't say, is that why you're only at 18? And his answer was like, man, we don't need to save spots because we might have three guys walk in tomorrow and say, I'm leaving. Yeah. 
So, so it's... like, no, they, the answer is the reason they're 18 is not because they're like, Oh, we decided we didn't take a couple high school kids. We normally would take because of the portal. They're just a little bit low. Cause a couple dudes flipped. Yeah. I think a better way to look at how they're, they're going to use the transfer portal is it's almost the, the matter of fact of like, okay, we've got some room or we've got a hole here. Let's go find somebody, but it's not necessarily on the forefront of their minds. Their first op- obligation is to build the recruiting class. And then after that's done, after we get through the early signing period, which is what probably why he also came out and said that if I had, if I had to vote, I would say, keep this current, current uh, early signing period as is, because then that gives him an opportunity to know, okay, during this period that we're in right now, guys are going to transfer out, especially if we're not in the playoff and you're going to be adding in whatever number of recruits, anywhere from 18 to 24, depending on how the class sizes go every single year. And then once you get the January, once you can come up for air, once you've got your staff figured out, then you can go, okay, let's see if we, if we need something out of the portal and if the portal presents something that we want. Also remember that a lot of these things are colliding right now. The portal and signing day, we're all kind of crushing together yeah. right now. But the last couple of guys that Ohio State has brought in via the portal were spring and summer kind of guys too. So that's another thing to remember is that there's going to be a second the, – the, the, the portal stuff kind of just keeps going into, into the summer now. So if something happens in the spring, like a thing that happened with Master Teague a couple years ago where he gets hurt and all of a sudden there's even more urgency at running back, then maybe they have to expand what they're looking at in the portal at that point. But I know that one of the national guys tweeted out something the other day that was like, hey, I was talking to a power five coach who was like, yeah, we're not going to take it. We're going to maybe not take as many sort of like lower end high school guys because there's ready made guys in the portal. And like that is not I that is not what Ohio State is doing. I don't think. Right. I, I don't think that's it's just they haven't been this low in a while. They're at 18 on signing yeah. day, usually at 24 on signing day. And so I just it's it's like, why is that? And. It's mostly because if they got, they had Jaheim Singletary and Terrence Brooks and Desad McCullough, Xavier Wampa, like then they'd be at 23. And they're yeah. not. There's enough uncertainty. Kind of where... There's enough uncertainty combined with there are just some guys still on the table who haven't publicly announced what they're doing yet for why it's how it is. But even so with that, it's still low. So let's do that. So, okay. So Ryan, they're at 18. He yeah. says, we're going to be at 20. Who are they adding? Hero Canoe. So Hero um, Canoe is announcing when, and he is what? Let's be very specific on this. He is a defensive lineman. And yes, what's his yes. deal? He's, he's announcing he's, at an All-American game in January. Yes, he is announcing at the Army, the Army All-American game on January 8th. What's he ranked? Is he a top 100 Num- guy? Uh, borderline. 105 overall, 18 defensive lineman. So is he a tackle or an edge? Tackle. Okay. So we think they're adding him. Yeah. He's probably. And so who else? Who's the other one? Amari Abor. Here are the other guys who are in the mix for this two or three that they might add. Amari Abor, the number 38 player, the number four edge rusher. So that would give you your four defensive linemen in this class. And then Carson Heinzman, who's like a top 150 recruit, interior offensive lineman. And that gives you four offensive linemen in this class. And then another guy, Kristen Miller, at borderline top 100 recruit as well. Another name in the mix for the defensive lineman spot. So, like the guys that they're still in are still considering Ohio State at this point are all line of scrimmage guys. So we think maybe they get like two of those three defensive linemen, and they've got a shot at the offensive lineman. 
and that'll yeah. get them to 20 or 21. Yeah. It goes down that way. Okay. Yeah. All right. You guys got like two or three minutes. What else is the main stuff that we need to talk about that was exciting, interesting information that we learned from Ryan Day? Cause I got to do, I got to do the position thing. We're going to run through it quick. We won't be the, de- the definitive one, but we're going to run through it. Um, what's, what's on your mind, Steven? I just, not necessarily on my mind. Cause Nathan, you really pushed him on this stuff and kind of gave him the alleyway to really say what he's probably really thinking about it. The how NIL is impacting recruiting, even if the coaches have nothing to do with it in this world where, you know, we're seeing what Texas is, reportedly doing um you know jackson state just pulled in the number one player in the country because he's like uh, reportedly signing a 1.5 million dollar nil deal with like barstool or something like that so like nathan you pushed him on that so i'll allow you to take the floor with this it was a it was a it was a good example of uh asking a not great first question and then by the time you ask the third question kind of getting around to the right question because Mm -hmm. i wanted ryan day to say like he very he earlier in his comments he was sort of inferring or alluding, inferring, alluding, and whatever, <laughs> that other people were being kind of unscrupulous in this uh, landscape, right? I think say, I imply you infer. Yes. Right. Yes. So, yes. So he was implying that, you know, Ohio State is not getting involved with these deals. Are other schools getting involved with these deals and helping facilitate them? And that's why kids are going to those places. That's what he was, I believe, implying. So I tried to follow up with him. Like, Is that what you're saying? He's like, well, no, I'm not saying that they're, we're breaking the rules. I'm just saying that Ohio State can't, you know, there's nothing. What can we do where our hands are tied? And what I wanted to push him towards was there's a gray area here, right, between the booster organization and how they can work with schools. And I don't have the answer to that today. I'm not like, it wasn't like I was like, condemning Ohio State's way of doing it, but I wanted to kind of get his impression of, you know, uh, what can Ohio State do? Um, and is Ohio State still learning, I think, how it can capitalize on that process within that rule without being unscrupulous, without breaking any ethical lines that it wants to stay inside? Because schools are clearly doing it. Like, there's an organization that has happened at, like, Texas schools and other places that have put that money in place. And we're not hearing that from the Ohio State end of things. So listen, this is a separate pod, but it I is. think it is. Th- this is, I think, the nut of this possibly. So a place like Texas, which is one of the prime examples because they have a booster organization that set up this thing, right? That they're going to pay every mm-hmm. offensive line recruit $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. The problem with Texas and why Texas has been a failed state of a college football program for a decade. A lot of it is because of the boosters, because they're so involved. They have such sort of shifting goalposts levels of achievement that they expect from their coaches that they burn these coaches out and boot them immediately because they think there's something that they're not. And for instance, what Michigan is getting credit for right now with Jim Harbaugh, Texas would not have tolerated. Texas would have fired Jim Harbaugh by now, right? Tom Herman is not that yes. different than Jim Harbaugh. Correct. And the, the sort of crazy boosterdom has been often a negative 
as much as it's perceived as bag men and that kind of thing, the way it's actually applied can be a negative to a program. And with NIL, you have created an above board world where crazy boosterdom actually becomes a positive. And one of the things I think about Ohio State is that Ohio State has a passionate fan base, but it's a Big Ten school. It sort of thinks of itself in a different way. And I don't think now, again, we can go back to the Maurice Claret and we can go back to Terrell Pryor and we can go through. Uh, okay. But I also think they tried to learn some lessons from that stuff. I don't, I would not necessarily characterize them. If you disagree, send me texts and send me tweets. I don't think Ohio State in the past decade has been a place of rogue boosterdom necessarily, right? It, and it, in a way that has allowed some stability at a high profile program, right? That people support the program without interfering with the program. But now interference is kind of what you want because you want some booster who's like, Hey man, I love this program. I'm starting a scholarship. It's called the pay a safety NIL program. I'm going to pay every safety recruit a hundred thousand dollars a year because I love good safety play. And guess what? Xavier Wampa might be here. But Ryan Day was basically telling you, Nathan, I can't ask somebody to do that because that's not allowed. If you want to do that, I can't coordinate with you. But does anybody want to do that? Because we missed on three safeties in this class. It's literally if a tree falls in a forest, but no one's around to hear it. Did I really ask the question? Well, I think what's interesting about this is a whole podcast, but what you're saying, Doug, is I believe, especially when you talk about the SEC, the um, environment has existed there where you have like such like paranoia and hyper competitiveness at a, at the top of the national level, pretty deep into that conference that I think has created that booster culture already. Whereas Ohio state hasn't needed that. They could have had, they've had a much more maybe docile booster structure because that's all they've needed. Like, you know, we'll take your money and it'll be a much more like, it's a much less sloppy approach right they haven't needed it to just be as rabid as they do in the sec and so i think that has sort of fed to the point where they it could be more easily because because the state as i brought up with ryan day today the the long-term um effectiveness of the mark pantoni urban day right urban meyer i've done that twice today urban meyer ryan day structure here has it's it's proven to work right like it's it's worked well but now you've introduced this new variable kind of late in the process. And I feel like the SEC schools might have just been in Texas, which is not going to be an SEC school. Maybe just we're in better position to tap that quickly. Ohio State is is trying to compete with SEC schools by often trying to play by the Big Ten's rules. And I don't know if that's going to. But I don't think it wasn't necessarily just playing by the Big Ten's rules. It's just they didn't they didn't have to. It would have been more untoward if Ohio State had had that culture already than it is in the SEC. I think it's just tolerated and looked at differently in the SEC because you almost had to have it. You didn't have to have it at Ohio State. And now it's going to be interesting to see, does that start to happen here? Or do they stay? Especially with this alumni base. Do they stay in their more structured identity? But we're getting into a whole podcast. The What NIL did, or what NIL did, And again, what name, image and likeness did was sort of bring above board what had sort of been underground. 
what and like while maybe those underground places were flourishing, other places, Ohio State, I think because they got caught on some stuff, has sort of yeah. been trying to tamp that out. And so now it's sort of like, well, there's it's not there now that you're allowed to have it. It's not naturally there because we had talked about, hey, it's Columbus. They're going to have opportunities. I don't know. Did has nationwide insurance said, hey, we're going to have we're going to pay every Ohio State defensive end. Five thousand dollars a sack, like that hasn't happened yet, and it's like it's been normal. It's been the basic way you see. Yes, they got a car and they just do commercials like the same way that you just see professionals. Like, hey, you do this commercial, we give you some money. Like we haven't seen just out. But who are they doing commercials for? They're not doing like who they do cars like car dealerships. I know uh, they got a car, but like they're they're not getting big time stuff. No, oh, well, I mean, CJ, the wide receivers in CJ Stroud had like the Outback Steakhouse stuff. And then like CJ and Jackson had this thing with this non-alcoholic beer. So it's stuff, but it's just like normal NIL stuff. It's nothing to this, to the point of what Texas is doing, where it's like, hey, all the offensive line recruits are getting 50K. Yeah. And it feels more corporate than what we're seeing now. Yes. In Texas. Yeah. So, right. And it's not even a business in Texas, right? It was like a booster group. It's like we created yep. a $50,000 offensive yep. line yep. thing. And it's like, well, so... But Ryan Day saying, you were sort of asking, well, how come Ohio State doesn't do that? It's almost, it is a lot like politics. Yeah. I just watched another political comedy last night. And it's like how you have a campaign and you have super PACs and the campaign and the super PACs can't coordinate with each other. Right. But mm-hmm. they can just be on opposite sides of the room looking at each other, being right. like, I'm not coordinating with you. Like talking I'm not really, coordinating with you. Mm-hmm. Talking really loud on one side of a wall, like a paper thin wall. And we can hear you. Yeah. And that was what I was trying to get him to say. And I didn't. People can listen. I didn't probably start it the right way. But no, but no, no you my- did. You got him, though, because you yeah. got him. You basically he was not mad at you, but he was a little mad at the situation by the third question. And it's not that we're in the business of making people mad, but if you help people get mad naturally, they give better answers when they're mad. Yes. And by the end, he was basically saying, I am not allowed to coordinate with anyone who I would welcome doing this whenever Mm -hmm. they want to, but I can't coordinate with you, but everybody else is doing it, but I can't coordinate with you he was practically winking angry winking his answer to you well and he's like why are you asking me i can't do it but we need it that's what i meant almost by i I could have asked a question better because i didn't start off by parsing enough the difference between ohio state the football institution which can't do this and then ohio state the greater football brand which does include boosters and stuff and which can do that. And there has to be, you can't tell me that there isn't coordination there. And I don't think that the rules say there can't be coordination, but there's a gray area. And I think that's what, again, there's some good reporting to be done here. If, if uh, we step up and do it. So I said, get back to me on NIL when it starts to affect recruiting. And we're maybe getting there again listen well but okay but also by the way if jackson state's head coach wasn't dion this would not have happened and this might have happened anyway i mean it's not like it's like oh how did the number one recruit in the country flip from florida state to an fcs school and it's like all right well it's because of name image like this it's also because the head coach of that fcs school is one of the the 10 most famous football players of the last 30 years and oozes juice I mean, he's Deion Sanders every minute of every day. 
and it's I it's more about Dion and the power of Dion and the power mm-hmm. of that. And by the way, he then can help capitalize on name image likes to that kind of thing. But it's not like Youngstown State got him. No, you know what I, I mean? I'll, so, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with it. But I'll, it's also like Dion played his position, so like who knows it better than the greatest cornerback ever and all that stuff. Yes, with that one. But it's also just it's other guys who uh, might be involved. I mean, Jimbo Fisher went on the Palm Fine Bond Show and literally said this: there were a lot of nil deals going on before all this was going on. They just weren't weren't legal, and nobody told nobody. Which is Jimbo being country the way he said that. But it's just. This is happening a lot. I, I think uh, the, the Travis Hunter example is the extreme of that because of where he went. But, but just more of the idea of we are probably going to see more players do what Quinn and Travis did just to a lesser extent. But still, it's the idea of I'm going to this school because they're going to give me X amount of dollars from the boosters to come here. And the name of an NIL deal, I put in quotes. So the the idea of Big Ten standards, SEC expectations. Actually, you, you stole that from me. I said that the other day. You, I wasn't necessarily like saying that uh, that you haven't yeah, said coined, it, though. I, I coined it. I coined it though. Okay, okay. I wasn't. You, know, you get to have it. I wasn't going. No, no, it's definitely mine. It's for the T-shirt. The that's fine. But but I think it 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 ties into this King of the North thing that we've been talking about. But it is. It's always been there. It is going to come to a head a little more now that I think, I think NIL stuff is increasing that idea of if you want to have SEC expectations, you have to do what the SEC is doing. And, and we had always talked about that again, more in an underground way, but now if it's above board and that's, this is what the SEC's boosters are doing legally, you know, by NCAA rules, can Ohio state like not do it? Which again is, is why by the third question, Nathan Ryan day, I think was sort of like, what do you want me to do? But, but I think he would believe probably that how can you expect us to compete? But I'm trying to think like, do we think Terrence Brooks is that, Stephen? Like, where do we think, did Ohio State not get guys in this cycle that they would have gotten if name, image, and likeness wasn't here? So if I had to put a percentage of why Terrence Brooks is not coming to Ohio State, I would say 40% of it is probably – Kerry Combs uncertainty because okay. I mean, he's like, and that, I think that's a fair amount. I would say another 40% is like, he's from Texas and maybe just wanted to stay home. There's, I mean, you can't. And then I'm not going to rule out. I, I, I'm giving 20% to like some type of NIL thing here. Cause I, I'm just not, I'm not ruling that out anymore with these top 50 top 100 recruits. But like Xavier Wampa didn't go to, Iowa. No. Is it, yeah, you're right. That's what I'm saying. It's, right. it, it's going to vary too, because like, like where, like he, like Terrence Brooks is from Texas. So it kind of makes sense. He's, Xavier's from uh, Iowa. Like that's yeah. literally, it's just like, we don't think Jaheim Singletary went to Georgia because of NIL. I mean, Georgia like had a no, great year. Like he, and yeah, no, it's just like he's to Indiana because like, of NIL. Right. So, so it's, it's definitely going to vary from person to person. 
Like so the Jaheim Singletary just makes it. That's a kid living in the SEC who probably yeah, just so, wanted to go to point, an SEC. The point is that is that if we think this is something that is is starting to affect recruiting more, because that's what get back to me when it changes recruiting decisions. Get back to me when it does that. Okay. We started to see that in this cycle. I don't know that we saw it with Ohio State in this cycle, though. But maybe, Nathan, when you are sort of pushing Ryan Day on that, I think it's with a, with a belief, not you know by you, by Ryan Day, by everybody with eyeballs, that how much more impact is it going to have in future cycles if Ohio State doesn't have a similar NIL situation in place? Well, again, I just think it's it's the next extension of the Meyer Pantone thing, right? It's just going to have to be another segment of how you recruit is having that infrastructure in place. And no, you can't be pushing the buttons as it comes to your boosters and stuff. But I think you can probably, um, I don't know, uh, send them a, a compass along with their uh, season tickets or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Florida State just hired the head of their booster group as their athletic director. So it, it is one of those things where, I mean, does that recruit? I don't even know how you would do it. I mean, is there somebody in the fundraising wing of the university office that is now in charge of name, image, and likeness? Well, but I don't, I, I don't know enough of the rules, whether the university can have any coordination with that at all whether it needs to be an outside booster group. Yeah. It's like super PACs. It's super PACs. It's super oh, PACs yeah. for college sports that you are an outside organization that is obviously affiliated and guided by the candidate slash university slash athletic program slash football team. But you have deniability and, and a different power structure but you're going to have to have maybe some more coordination there. I, I don't know. If, did that what we thought NIL was going to be this much of a coordinated, not just like businesses hiring guys for commercials, but like, mm. hey, we're going to have to sort of coordinate without coordinating sort of pop up business programs that are just designed to give college football players money. It's not the business no. saying do a commercial. It's here's $50,000 for coming to our school. Yeah, no, it was definitely what Ohio State, what we saw Ohio State players do this past year is definitely what this was supposed to be. But, you know, things don't always go the way they're supposed to be. It's very quickly turned into it, there was a world when it was like, oh, what Quinn Ewers did was like a rarity because he's just once in a lifetime recruit. I think we're going to this is going to lean a lot more towards more people doing what Quinn Ewers did in comparison to what most of these Ohio State football players are doing this past year. And there's but also a different. Go ahead, Nathan. The NCAA and its member schools also opened the door to this by wanting this structure as opposed to a structure where you're like, well, okay, they're all employees now, but this is what we pay yeah. that employee and it's capped at that. And that's what they get. Just like you would just like, you know, Walmart pays its employees X amount of dollars and NCAA schools will pay their uh, linebackers X amount of dollars. Like they could have mm -hmm. set that up. That's not what they wanted. They wanted this other structure where they have less control. And there is a difference between a company being willing to pay a player more money if he goes to a more sort of high profile school versus somebody who loves a school paying somebody to come to that school because I love this mm -hmm. school and I want good players to come here. 
And I think we all were prepared for the first thing. And maybe it's going to turn more into the second thing in a way that I don't know that everybody was prepared for. And again, it's not about good, good for the players, get your money, but you know, nobody, well, I was going to say, I mean, but it, but it happens in pro sports too. It's like, oh, well, the guy who plays for the Kansas City Royals when he's a free agent wants to go to the New York Yankees, A, because the Yankees will give him money, but also because he's a bigger endorsement profile if he's playing mm-hmm. in New York. Anthony Davis wants to leave the Pelicans to go to L.A. because he wants to be a Laker, but he also has a bigger endorsement profile. So that's not new. It's just that in the pros, you have to go through a process to sort of earn that right, and college sports – Guys get to shoot. You can pick right away. There's no draft. There's no contracts. You can go wherever ultimate you want to go. Ultimate and, player empowerment. And ultimate player empowerment is great. But again, competitive balance is a thing. And yeah. so, you know, what, are we going to get to a point where there's going to be a high school draft? Is that what we're going to get? Where it's like, all right, uh, Rice has the first pick <laughs> with the first pick. In the 2018 nope. high school draft, Rice takes Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is like, crap, I don't want to go to Rice. But again, Walmart and Target and whoever else don't host a draft. They just have employees that they pay. <laughs> you just decide which of those Walmarts and Targets you want to go work at. Again, it's the NCAA and it's member schools. Don't want that structure. And maybe to wrap this up, because we don't want to go too long on this, but because I know you want to get to your uh, numbers there. Those are those numbers are burning a hole on your your notepad. Yes. The first thing that you mentioned where players might go to schools because it's a maximum benefit for them, greater benefit for them NIL wise. We all agree that definitely benefits Ohio State. The second thing, I don't know if it benefits Ohio State and we cuz we had been saying all along like this NIL thing really seems like it could be a good thing for Ohio State. If it is more of that second thing, maybe it's not. It kind of depends on boosters in the fan base. And I mean, Ohio State has one of the biggest alumni, you know, you know numbers in the, in, the, in the world, one of the biggest alumni bases in the world. So, like, it actually could. If enough of those, uh, that large alumni base, enough of those guys go, hmm, I'm going to pick this position and we're going to pay them. I'm going to pick this position and we're going to pay them. They could easily do what Texas is doing right now. And the question is, is this alumni base with the mindset of playing by big 10 rules going to be willing to do it. But then the other thing, but, and the other thing is if the, if the boosters, this is where the schools get caught. If the boosters start paying the players and they're not going to give as much money to the school. Right. I mean, the guy who started the limited, his name is on a whole bunch of buildings at Mm -hmm. Ohio state, including some athletic buildings. But if he's like, ah, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to start, paying $100,000 for good high school safeties to come here, then the school doesn't get as much money. So what do you want, school? Do you want money for your buildings and your athletic programs, or do you want money that gets more good players? Group to come? Of, you got a group of, it's like this group over here pays for the school, this group over here pays for the players. But one Which, last word on this. There's also going to be- I can't coordinate, Nathan. I can't coordinate. One last word. We are still kind of in the infancy of this, and we also need to- be aware of the potential of a correction at some point where maybe yeah. boosters decide they aren't getting their money's worth. They paid such and such guy to come here uh, a year into his career. Oh, he decides yeah. He's not playing enough and he goes somewhere else to play for the rival. Maybe they'll decide, well, maybe we aren't spending our money the right way. Right. 
No, I, I agree. But also Ryan Day, when he was sort of asked, like, hey, should they move signing day back to January or February? He was like, man, so much is changing. Maybe can we just keep signing day in December for a while and yeah. see how it's see how it plays out? That yeah. there is, I like you said, sometimes the correction to the perceived problem is almost it just creates another problem. So it's like, well, rather than well, changing it, maybe let's just try to make what we currently have better and more sensible without actually changing the rules. But it's it's all connected, and the problem is it's not connected. And what I was suggesting would be a market correction, not a not a correction imposed from the outside. And again, this is one of these things where you are doing situations where players now, players before had limited freedom and no way to get money. Now they have freedom and a way to get money. And actually, if they would have done one of those without the other, you could have sort of created the world. It's like, okay, now we'll add this. Okay, one-time transfer. Everybody can go wherever they want to go. Let's let that settle in for 10 years. And then we'll figure out like, oh, now you can add money to that. Or, hey, now you can get paid from outside endorsements, but you still have to sit out of here if you want to transfer. So you really got to pick your school and be careful and not just go where you get all the money because you can't just leave in six months if it doesn't work out. And I'm not saying that either of those are bad, good for the players, but they both happened at the same time. And it's made it a little woolly and wild, but yeah, it's fine. But I do think the one thing to your point about Walmart and Target, competitive balance is a thing in sports. And that's the thing. And that, that it's just, I mean, if Walmart and Target are doing their thing and, and Walmart pays its employees so much more than Target does and Target can't get anybody to work there. And then Target goes out of business and then there's only Walmart. And it's like, well, you know, if the SEC does all this stuff and nobody else can get any good players and you go out, it's like competitive balance is the difference of, of all this. And I do think that's that's the thing that makes sports different. It's why we're doing like the NFL is dealing with all these COVID cases right now. We have to keep people healthy with COVID. Right. That is a the, the primary goal in society with COVID <laughs> is the health and welfare of people. But there's a competitive balance aspect that enters into sports. And so when you have like half a starting lineup of the Cleveland Browns knocked out by positive COVID tests in asymptomatic players who wouldn't even know they had it if they weren't in a job that required them to be tested for mm-hmm. COVID every week. It's like, okay, for society, keeping people healthy and safe, that's all that matters. But there's a competitive balance aspect of this that is not the most important thing, but we also can't ignore it. So players should have rights, but competitive balance matters. Otherwise, Sports aren't fun anymore. I asked one thing. I said, oh, yeah, anything you guys want to add before we talk about numbers? <laughs> like, oh, let me throw segment. this in about name, image, and likeness. Honestly, you should go back and just throw the first break in between there, and then we'll get into the All numbers right, well, now. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. This is either the first break or the second break. Who knows? I'm Buckeye Talk. All right. For real, anything else? I mean, I did feel like it. I mean, back in the day. You know, there was a time, I think Brett, someone said Brett Bielema at Illinois is going to do this, like show film on every recruit and break down the guy's film, which is really fun. And there was a time when Jim Trestle kind of was doing some of that stuff. There yeah. were a time Jim Trestle sometimes would have yeah. like the early and like, because that back when signing day was in February, if the guys were early enrollees, they could come in and like come in on signing day. It's like, I'm already here. Um, Like, that's not where we are. So like, we didn't, 
I didn't also, feel like we, we learned we, – we didn't learn – this was the first time Ryan Day is allowed to talk about the guys who signed. That's the big deal. But did we get a ton of information about any of the guys who signed that we need to talk about? That's um, actually what I meant when I asked that question. Hey, did we need to talk about yeah, Devin Brown? <laughs> and then we talked about economic theory of college sports for 40 minutes. <laughs> It's hard because 15 years ago, you also were learning a lot about these players for the first time on signing day. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about these guys for months and months, two years, some of these guys. And so no, you kind of so, know everything. So Ryan Day, but is there anything? So the fact of the matter is, what do we need to talk about that Ryan Day said about players who are now Buckeyes? Do we need to talk about Devin Brown? He said he talked to Devin Brown on the phone and really liked him. And then the Devin Brown sent him a video of him windmill dunking and Ryan Day yeah. was like, I'm in. Yeah. That's it. That's a good Devin Brown story. He thinks Caden Curry is underrated. I mean, yeah. is, there, is there anybody else that we got like juicy um, tidbits? Nathan, is there a juicy tidbit that jumped out to you that we got to relay to people before we get to calculus? No, I don't I mean, think so. Just okay. CJ Hicks is a leader. We knew that, though. So, yeah, let's get to the numbers. Okay, so here we go. This is what we learned. We're going to do it. We'll do it quick and dirty so we can come back to it. But I do want to do it. Ryan Day, he said, this is what, and I did a little fudging. This is what ideally their roster would be. Eight defensive ends, that he said. Eight defensive tackles, that he said. Eight cornerbacks, that he said. Eight linebackers, that he said. And then he broke it, bullet and safety. I think he said four bullet and seven safeties but we know that's kind of – so I just lumped them together as 11 safeties. That equals 43 guys. That's about right. So, again, it's basically four guys at every spot. But – and that's why – but they have three safeties now, so that's why he says 11 safeties. Offense, four quarterbacks. We already knew that. One every class. Five running backs, five tight ends. 11 receivers, which Nathan – that struck my ear as like a lot of receivers, but yet again, in a world where they play three receivers, every snap, you need four guys at every spot. That would actually be 12 receivers. That's actually, that's actually right. But I guess, cause he was talking about how they added four receivers in the class in this class. And I needed that. And I was like, did you? And then it's like, no, they actually really do. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But I guess that's not a surprise by the math, but did that hit your ear at all, Nathan, when he said 11 receivers? No, I thought that sounded r- roughly right, probably, in the, in the current day and age. Okay. And then 16 offensive linemen, which, again, is that – I think we knew that. I think offensive line is always like 15 to 17. So to say 16 offensive linemen, that number brings you to 41 on the offense. So that's 43 plus 41. That's 84. It's an 85 scholarship limit. You got a punter. You got a kicker. So that's 86, and then it depends if you put the long snapper on scholarship. So that's a little borderline sometimes, right? And they carried so, two kickers on scholarship last year. But uh, they could carry two because, like, they, they the were, were blown. Yeah. Well, and yeah. because, like, they're no, they let them the, – the old guys oh, yeah, didn't yeah. count. So the yeah. 85 wasn't in existence. So right. normally they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. So that means, you, you know, you, maybe you – so you can't quite get to – if you count the special teams guys, then you got to be a little short on one or two of those spots. So let's do quick and dirty, quick and dirty. 
It won't be that quick. It will be dirty though. Buckeye talk. Can I, can I, can I, I'll save the thing. Is this, is this, is, is that how you picked up that girl in the uh, typing class? No, I picked up that girl in typing class. Cause when I went to, uh, when we went to Russia, we, she was on the Russia trip with me. And then we, Oh, is this the pizza hut story? Pizza hut story. All right. Tell the pizza oh, hut story. Okay. So the pizza hut girl, the Finland pizza hut girl is also the typing girl. Oh, okay. But, yeah. So, um, but I sent uh, a photo. I sent a tweet the other day uh, of a drug warning from a commercial that, you know, how every commercial for a medicine is like, take this medicine to fix a minor problem in your life. And here are the 17 side effects to this drug that are worse than the thing that you're actually trying to fix. Right. I mean, like Saturday Night Live makes fun of that stuff. Everybody knows that drug side effects are crazy. So I tweeted just watching a commercial for a medicine I take every day. Cool, cool, cool. This was the warning that I took a photo of and sent out to everybody. Let's see if uh, see if I can read it because the print is small. The para perineum perineum. It's your taint, but it's the fancy word for your taint. The perineum is the area between the anus and genitals. Symptoms include fever, weakness, and pain tenderness redness or swelling of the genital area and i know that sounds like a crazy thing to say on a sports podcast but it was on a commercial for a medicine in the middle of monday night football so it's not me that's normal talk so i sent that out like man i take that drug and those are the side effects i have to worry about so one of our someone responded on twitter it's i had the photo of that warning and they just took the photo with all the words printed out and just put under it very small dash dash Buckeye talk. (laughs) The perineum is the area between the anus and genitals. Buckeye talk. So add that to the t-shirt list. All right. Quick and dirty. Eight defensive ends. If Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith both leave, I've got them at seven. Tyler Friday coming back from injury. Javante Jean-Baptiste, Jacoby Cohen, Darian Henry-Young, Jack Sawyer, JT, and then Kenyatta Jackson as the new guy. So one end in the class, right, Stephen? Correct. One end in the class. That would bring him to seven. If Zach Harrison stays there at eight, that is like Friday and JJB have have been okay. Cohen and Darian Henry-Young haven't played much, and then we know what the two big-time freshmen were like, and Kenyatta Jackson's a big-time recruit. Nathan, what do we think of that defensive end group now and for the future? Are they in good shape at defensive end? Or is this – but also we're talking about – this is why we're talking about they might be adding a guy or two. We're connecting what Stephen was saying, why those are still some of the guys that are on the board for them. And by future, are we going to give a specific year? No, I just mean like next year and then in general on the roster. So like are they in good shape for next year at defensive end and then after that? I think they're in good shape for 2022. They're in pretty good shape for 2023. And then assuming JT, Tuimiloau, and Jack Sawyer are both gone after 2023, there's potentially a problem. Steven, what do you think? How are they at defensive end? Uh, they're fine. I get why Nathan says they're a problem in 2024 if those two guys are gone. But yeah, but assuming that Kenyatta Jackson turns into what he's supposed to turn into and they add one or two other guys that fixes that immediately. So yeah, it's good. Well, but, but let's have a discussion about that because Kenyatta Jackson's like what the number 70. 70. So he's not. Yeah. But everybody's level. 
I know, but that is the Ohio State standard. And what they, they base a lot of things on, those guys being able to get – I mean, how much of what we saw the last two years would have been improved by having better defensive end play? That's fair. that's that's not unfair, but Amari Abor, I mean, as the number 38 overall guy in the country yeah. as an edge rusher, that's why he becomes like a yeah. really yeah. important yeah, but dude. they don't and have again, him yet. It it is, it is, but it's why it's why that's the main position where you can see a guy adding in. Because you can actually see they're even they're even short on numbers potentially if Harrison doesn't come back. Right. So mm-hmm. but but the idea that the standard there is who's who's your first round draft pick edge rusher, because that helps make this defense go around. It's not an unfair standard. And I think right. it's also a position that it's difficult for them to affect in the portal right now because portals are typically short fixes and they are going to be pretty good there next year, we think, with Tumalo, right. and Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Defensive tackle. Uh, Haskell Garrett will be gone. If Jerron Cage is gone, do we think he mm-hmm. might be back? I think Cage might be back. Antoine Jackson's um, gone. Antoine yeah. Jackson's gone. Okay, so Cage is, is maybe a back guy. Teron Vincent, if he's back, then Cormonte Hamilton, Jaden McKenzie, Noah Potter. Those are all guys who haven't played a ton yet. And then Mike Hall, um, Ty Hamilton, and Tyleek Williams as three young guys that they really like inside. And then Caden Curry in this class. They're at eight without Cage. They want to have eight. Cage would make nine. I could see a transfer possibility in there with some older guys who haven't played yet. Nathan, they seem like they're okay on numbers. How are they in terms of the quality of defensive tackles now and for the future? I think they're pretty good here. I, it was it was a position that I had some skepticism about long-term when you start talking about 2024 and beyond, just because before Curry had actually signed. Again, we, we Hero Canoe is hanging out there as well as a potential signee for this class. So I think they're actually in pretty good shape here, especially because of what we saw, in, at least in flashes, and I would argue even more than that, from Hamilton and... Williams this past year and also because unlike with defensive end where it's like where's your first round guy they like to if you can play six they're gonna play six and they've got I mean the depth is gonna be there next year and none of those guys are probably gonna leave after next year so the depth will be there for the next two seasons I feel like defensive end is where you want like your knights your your shining knight to go out there and win a joust and then you want to win a war of attrition at tackle and Ohio State does a good job of winning that war of attrition they do have three guys in that group who who have really not played yet, who are coming back up on the, at least their third or fourth year. So Those twenty nineteen guys, yeah. I'll be curious to see if if they all, especially if Cage stays, and if they end up adding a guy here, I could maybe see some attrition there for a spot. But they'll be okay on numbers at tackle. And also, but also, you have Mike Hall who didn't play much as a true freshman. Also, someone they're really high on stepping up potentially this year too. Yeah, mm-hmm. good young guys, good young guys there. Linebacker, Tommy Eichenberg. I have Taraja. If Taraja Mitchell's not back, I guess he can come back because of the the COVID year eligibility thing. But I have a little hard time seeing that. That if he doesn't go to the NFL, maybe I mean he didn't go try to get on the, the field. Go try to get on the field somewhere and get. Oh man, I think that might be his route. I don't know that I see him here. Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, Cody Simon, Mitchell Melton coming back from injury, Reed Carrico, Jalen Johnson, and then in the recruiting class, C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers. They say they want to have eight. That's eight. Steven, how do you feel about the linebacker room for next year and then in the future? Um. Okay. Okay. I think the upside might be there for one guy, but okay overall. I still think that might be the weak link of the defense. 
I could see how that group gets better. Melton was hurt. Carrico was young. We and Jalen Johnson was young. We don't know. You it could hurt. see we, you could see how those guys might be able to give you something that they just didn't give you this year because they were young, hurt, or both. And Steel Chambers still might get better as he learns the position. We have a sense of Tommy Eichenberg and Cody Simon, and they can play at least mm-hmm. a little bit. And then CJ Hicks has a real shot to help right away. So Nathan, like, I, I think it's okay. Do you think it's okay, Nathan? I, I like it better for the long term again, like 2024, than I do in 2022. It was still the, the group of this defense that was the most exploitable, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And um, I don't know that just adding even a really good true freshman protects you from that happening again. So, but you're right that there are also a lot of guys there who may be even playing for the first time this year, right? Cody yeah. Simon banged up shoulder, Tommy Eichenberg playing for the first time. Um, Reed Carrico never even got to play. So there's definitely room for just natural improvement there too. I'm not predicting a, uh, Ohio State falling into a chasm there, but it's, it's a position that has to be better. And I think that it has to be, I think it has to be improved by as much the guys on the roster already taking a step as it is adding CJ Hicks to the mix. Okay. Cornerback. Where are we on seven banks and cam Brown? We think seven banks is gone. Um, yes. I also think given the injury history of Cameron Brown, it might just be time for him to go try to get a check and stop doing this for free. I let's count one of them being back, yeah. not both. So if one of them that you have legend Cavazos, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Ja'Kalen Johnson, and then the two new guys, Jair Brown and Ryan Turner, they want to have eight. That's only seven. That's only seven because Jaheim Singletary and Terrence Brooks, you lost. Terrence Brooks, you lost today. Terrence Brooks was, you didn't expect to lose. You lose him today. He would have been eight. And if Cam Brown leaves and Ryan Watts already left, now you're at six. This is a spot where I could see somebody. So if we're playing, where's the portal spot? Man, six corners is not a lot of corners. No matter how much you like Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and Ja'Kalen Johnson, if you think those three second-year guys are your top three outside corners, and we again are talking about this in a way, this is two spots. This is two outside corners. We don't think about that slot as a corner with this numbers game anymore. But, man, that's that's a little short. Steven, you think that's short? This, is, this would maybe be a keep-your-eyes-on-the-portal situation. Yeah, especially in a world where you're rotating – three guys to two spots. I mean, you're an injury away from that being a real problem. So I, it's, it's not going to be a last Ricks, but I would assume there might be a portal. And he kind of, they kind of hinted at that today that they, they might need to add a corner to the portal. He kind of, uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if they add one, even if it's not a guy who's like a plug and play immediate starter, Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, Jonah Jackson level type of guy. But those guys are so rare. And and Ricks was that guy, and Ohio State yeah. isn't going to go pursue him. So that's my point. Is like, okay, just for depth, you think you need to go get um, a corner who was ranked like number 285 in the country and didn't play very much his first year and a half at um, uh, Texas Tech or whatever, and you're going to get him to come here? Or probably not. Texas Tech's not a good example. Probably be like, you know, um, Kentucky or something. But like, what does that do for you? Like, if you just well, go get the Pagliere of cornerbacks, that doesn't make your cornerback play better next year. No, but I'm not worried about play. I'm worried about depth. 
because right now, if Cam Brown also leaves, if Banks and Brown both leave, you only have you have four corners who are not true freshmen. So even if you think Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and Jacalyn Johnson are pretty good, which is not a which is a safe assumption, I think, because Denzel Burke is already pretty good, and Hancock and Jacalyn Johnson are the same age, and we're both ranked higher, both top one hundred guys. Your fourth guy is Legend Cavazos. And then you get to the true freshmen, neither of whom are top 100 guys. I'm thinking more like, hey, we got a guy who's a two-year starter at UMass who wants to transfer for a year and play in the Mm -hmm. Big Ten and come in and play special teams and be our fourth corner. Like that, not long-term. I think you've got to replace Brooks, though. Because even like, because it would have been like, well, what was Brooks? Well, Brooks might have been the guy who would be most likely to play if you needed a number four corner. Right, right away in 2022. I don't, I don't know that you can get by without adding somebody. And if you go to the high school ranks, the best guys are gone. So I don't think you're going to find a high school guy who would have a chance to be in your two deep next year. So I think it has to be a portal guy. And to your point, Nathan, it's like, well, if it's some guy at Texas Tech who couldn't get on the field, but was a decently ranked recruit, I'd rather, this is the kind of portal thing of go get some guy who, was a decent player at UConn who would be happy to be a backup at Ohio state. That feels like a possibility to me. Would that make sense to you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. I still think that the bigger issue is, is the, the top end play there than the depth. But as far as just for this but, exercise, but, but, yeah. But, but we already did a video of this. Why, why do you doubt the top end play? Because Denzel Burke was really good. And I think Jordan Hancock and Ja'Kalen Johnson will be better than Cam Brown and seven banks, even though they haven't played yet. Mm-hmm. They're top 100 national guys who got a year of, practice in this year and we'll be ready to play in year two. Like I, I don't have a lot of doubt about that. Yes. Tyreek Johnson, but Tyreek Johnson is sort of been the exception to their rule with highly rated corners. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think they'll be ready to be good big 10 starters next year. But, uh, you maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know that I necessarily, I guess that. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's one of those things. I get it. He hasn't ever done it, but I mean, at some point you got to sort of trust the process. Right. So, I mean, again, as we said, their whole, their whole problem is they don't have a Jordan Hancock or Jacqueline Johnson in this recruiting class. And we're saying that's an issue and they did have them last year. And Ryan day said Wednesday, he said, he thinks they, they hit a home run in their cornerback recruiting last year. And they, and they don't need both of them to be both of them to hit in the same way next year necessarily. Like if right. only no, one yeah. of them is really starter level, then you still know you have two reliable starters there. And and the like, the, the, the yeah. idea of like eight corners now, even that almost actually does seem a little much because you're only starting two now. You're not calling slot corner a cornerback spot anymore. So I, I, even from a depth standpoint, I don't know how much they're like. But I but the point taken about how quickly it gets thin there and gets down to really young guys. Very, you're very true. Very very correct about that. And like the point is. You know, they were in a situation this year where Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts both played early and did not play that well. That's Ryan what Watts, you don't want. Yeah. But neither Legend Cavazos nor Ryan Watts were ranked as high as Jordan Hancock or Jacqueline Johnson. Nobody ever thought that Legend Cavazos right. and Ryan Watts were as good as those guys. So I would not take the, the fact that Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts in year two were not Big Ten level starting quarterbacks. I would not that, take that as an indication that Hancock and Johnson won't 
be able to do it next year because they're I just think they're more talented. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I would. My only, and it's not even a pushback. It's just the fact that we didn't get to see them flash for a, a multitude of reasons, whether it's because how games played out, but then also Jacqueline Johnson was like off and on the availability report because he was dealing with like a shoulder thing. So that kind it's more when I say we haven't seen it, it's because it was unfortunate that we didn't get the garbage time. Oh, they're flashing like you got to see with a lot of these other top 100 recruits. All right, safety. They say they want 11 safeties. Here are the safeties. Josh Proctor, Cam Martinez, Ronnie Hickman, Bryson Shaw, Lathan Ransom, Jansen Dunn, Andre Turrentine, Court Williams, and then Kai Stokes and Sonny Styles as the two freshmen. That is 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So that is, uh, that is no Marcus Hooker just because, I mean, he has a year of eligibility. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, I guess he could be here, um, but that's and everybody else. That's that's like everybody else coming back. Craig Young's already gone. How do we feel about that next year? And again, you're looking for three starters in there. Hickman's clearly a starter. Proctor is clearly a starter. Ransom has played a lot. Martinez has played a little bit. Shaw was clearly a starter once Proctor was hurt. And then you have like a guy like Court Williams. That people are expecting big things from. What do you think of that group, Nathan? Uh, I like it in the short term uh, for like that 2024 projection. I think it's a problem. Am I allowed to feel really, really good about safety next year? Just given the, I mean, Proctor's coming back. Hickman got a lot of really good experience. Court Williams flashed a bunch. Like Bryson Shaw's ceiling might be low, but if he's like your second guy now and not having to play 70 snaps, that's a better situation. Jansen Dunn and Andre Tarantine will be a year older. So it's like, I kind of feel good about safety. You know, you have six guys in there that you've at least seen something from. Josh Proctor, yeah. Cam Martinez, Ronnie Hickman, Bryson Shaw, Lathan Ransom, and Court Williams. And you need three of them to play at a high level. And then the other three are your second team guys. I think it is fair. I mean, like, if you tell me that you're going to have Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman, and Court Williams be your dudes, right? With Cam Martinez, Lathan Ransom, and Bryson Shaw ready to back them up. Are you going to tell me that it's going to be Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor, and Lathan Ransom with Court Williams playing a major role in other packages and they're rotating guys? I, I do. Yeah. I see the upside there. So I think they're, they're one short on the number, but I actually think they're in pretty good shape and I, I could see it. So I think I think I'm in agreement there, Stephen. But then, like Proctor's gone, Hickman's gone, Shaw's gone. It gets it starts to dwindle pretty quick, and I think that's where the the lack of an impact guy in this class is going to maybe catch up to. Well, but Sonny, to- but Sonny Styles, but Sonny Styles here. is the guy. Sonny Sonny yeah. has to be the guy. But that and, they and- missed on three other guys they were going for. Correct. And do we think he just stays in the safety room even if they never, like, I don't know what they call him? Well, like, what do we think? We think he would grow out of safety? Um, no. Because he's but like. Sa- safety is such a broad umbrella here now. No, it is. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, I think that if you're in the safety room, but it's like, well, are you a deep safety? Are you in coverage on tight ends? Are you in coverage in the slot? Are you in the box? Or like, I think there's an opportunity with a defense like this that, you know, I think what we'll find we're going to see. Yeah. I think what we're going to, yeah. 
I think he stays in the safety room, but you know how like we'll see with like other positions, like linebackers will sometimes in warmups be doing some like pass rushing stuff with Larry Johnson, or like we we saw that with Baron Browning at times. I think that's just what it's going to be. He's going to be a safety who he'll have like a extra period where he works with Larry Johnson just so he knows how to do that and he knows how to do linebacker stuff. Because in the words of Ryan Day, where's he going to play everywhere? Because he's Sunny Styles. Yeah, I mean, he could be a guy who, like, redefines what it means to be the the, the cover yeah. safety in this defense kind of thing, right? That it's like, oh, whatever mm-hmm. that thing is, that's like you're kind in the box, but you got to cover slot receivers, you got to cover tight ends, and every now and then you blitz. Yeah, we want Sonny Styles to be that. It's a cover safety. Maybe they give it a bandit name or some kind of fancy thing, but it's what Sonny Styles does. All right. That thing before wasn't the second break. It was just the first break. We just had a long first segment. This is the second break. We'll come back and do the offense on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Let's do the offensive line because this is some stuff here that is needs a discussion. They said they want 16 offensive linemen. So this is a world where I said, so Thayer Munford is gone. I said Nicholas Petit Frere goes. He went through senior day. He's projected in some places as a first-round pick. But I said Dewan Jones stays. And that got me to 15. For these guys, Dewan Jones, Matt Jones, Harry Miller, Enoch Lamahi, Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson, Josh Fryer, uh, Jacob James, Trey LaRoe, Grant Tutant, Luke Whippler, Zed Machalski, and then the three guys in this class, Trega Tishabola, Avery Henry, and George Fitzpatrick. And here's the issue on that. 15, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I would count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I would count of the 15 offensive linemen. I would call seven of them developmental guys and eight of them non-developmental. And Landis asked a question about this and Ryan Day gave enough of an answer, Nathan. You're not going to take a shot at the guys on your roster, but that is, that's out of balance. That's, that's half your guys are kind of like, like we think they'll develop. And again, someday, you know, they've had developmental guys really come through in a lot of big ways. Pat Elfine was a great developmental guy, but even like Thayer wasn't a developmental guy. Thayer was like 275 as a recruit. And that was sort of for some other reasons beyond his talent. He's not a developmental Mm -hmm. guy. Like they've had some, but it's not the norm. That's a lot of developmental guys, Nathan. The guys that I would say are not developmental guys. And like Dewan Jones actually was a developmental guy, but he's not anymore. So it's Dewan Jones, Matt Jones, Harry Miller, Enoch Mahe, Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson, Luke Whippler, and Tegra Shabola are the guys that are the eight that I would say are not developmental. Right. And then and- I would say Josh Fryer, Jacob James, Trey LaRoe, Grant Tutat, Zen Machalski, George Fitzpatrick, and Avery Henry are. But and. In- we were talking about this on uh, was we were just standing around on the, the Woody today. Like Dewan Jones was also an athlete. So unique that you cannot compare him. Even if you're calling him developmental, you cannot compare him to just some guy who happens to be ranked like 600, 800, whatever. Like those guys aren't mm-hmm. running the floor, dunking basketballs and stuff. Like it, it's, he's a different kind of athlete that had a different kind of upside, no matter what he was ranked. Uh, and I don't think what he said today Nothing he said today I thought really was even on the verge of throwing his players under the bus because it's not the players' fault. 
that they're there. I think a lot of times those players come here knowing what the situation is. They know where they're ranked relative to the rest of the country. They know what the expectations I think are for them realistically when they come here. It's just that they're it's, it's the, the assistant coach that would be getting thrown under the bus. there, not the players. Somebody got told to do their job better publicly today. Yeah. And that's happened before. It, a couple so, years ago, I remember Ryan Day saying something about the, you know, the level of running back recruiting not being where it needed to be. And then it was ago, a couple of weeks ago when he went hired somebody to do a job, they need to do it. So this I mean, is this is a bit of an issue. This is an issue for Greg's to draw. I will be curious to see what this offseason looks like. This isn't good enough. And like when it's Donovan Jackson and Harry Miller and Luke Whipler and Paris Johnson, it is good enough. It is. This is not. They did. They needed a guy in this class. They needed a big time tackle in this class, and they didn't get it. Um, and that is not a shot at Tegra Shabola, who's a really good player. But they needed another one. They needed another one, and they wound up with a guy in the three hundreds and a guy in the nine hundreds. I would say for next year, though, I would say there are six guys that I would believe in if I were Ohio State to fill the five starting spots on the offensive line, assuming that Nicholas Petit Frere goes. Dewan Jones, Matt Jones, Harry Miller, Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson, and Luke Whipler. I feel good about my chances of getting five starters out of that group of six and the sixth guy being a swing guy who's ready if there's an injury. Do you agree with that, Stephen? Yes. I cautiously say that because I hope they don't hear it. I hope no one's listening to this podcast from that coaching staff and going, hmm, we should play six guys again. Every single game. But, yo, yes, I think as long as DeWan doesn't surprise anybody, they're fine next year. I think that's the one wrinkle is who the second tackle is if Jones leaves. Yes. So if that that look would be Paris Johnson at left tackle, DeWan Jones at right tackle, Luke Whippler at center, and then Matt Jones, Donovan Jackson, and Harry Miller, three guys for the two guard spots probably, right? I, mean, that I, think, is where, I think that's fair. That is where it gets a little weird, though. Because it's like Donovan Jackson seems like he should probably be ready by then. And then Matt Jones, is he going to want another year of potentially being the utility guy? And then does Harry Miller uh, stay if he's not going to start? I, I don't know. That it That's a little weird. But you're, I, the, the concept that those six guys can make can make five good spots is true. Yes. I think Harry Miller is just going to take his job back next year. But, okay, yeah, it's a battle. Three, I think that's a possibility. Too. All right, tight end. They want five. They have five. Cade Stover, G. Scott, Joe Royer, Sam Hart, and Bennett Christian as the recruit. What do we think there, Nathan? Yeah, I know. I know that. I know that Ohio State doesn't like thrive on receiving tight ends, <laughs> and there's more to it than that. But, um. I think we need that we would need to see a bit of a jump from G Scott probably like that doesn't seem like just that dynamic of a group outside of him. And we still haven't seen him do a, a lot of tight end things. Um, I think the tight end spot is where I'm going to be recklessly optimistic that Cade Stover is had a full year of being a normal member of the rotation as a tight end. So maybe he takes the next step and G Scott's just kind of ready to do it now that he knows what he's doing. I'm not saying that that means like the tight ends are going to be awesome, but I think they will be decent enough to do the job that they need to do. Yeah. I mean, they, we, yeah, they need Stover and Scott uh, to both, to both pop, which is, 
possible. Again, they seem to like uh, Bennett Christian, who's the second lowest lowest ranked guy in this class, 381. Um, They told a nice story about him. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, they, they certainly have not gotten a tight end in recruiting like Rucker since Rucker. So mm-hmm. the idea that like Jeremy Ruckert was going to come here as a top 100 national player and like pave the way for them to get these dynamic tight ends, like has not turned out to be true, maybe because they don't throw the ball to Jeremy Ruckert. So why would but also, Jeremy Ruckert come here? Yeah. Like Landis was actually showing me a stat. He had like mapped out, like, I think it was like the past like five years, the rating, the average ratings of guys. And like, everybody was like in the mid nineties to high nineties. And then there's like the tight ends who are like 84. And the joke was that, Jeremy Ruckert's bringing that average up for where it actually is. So, but yeah, they don't need to go get the guys, but also Joe Royer will be in year three next year. So like, I don't know, like he should probably be trying to look to do something. I mean, we've never said his name on this podcast. So (laughs) never said his name, (laughs) not since signing day two years ago. Um, I think he may have actually been hurt at one point. You might've brought that up. And now we do know that this is one position that they were looking at the portal for too. Um, Austin Stogner, the guy from Oklahoma, Stogner from Oklahoma, who visited here, but then ended up going to South Carolina with yeah. along with uh, Spencer, Spencer Rattler package deal. So so we'll keep an eye on that. They don't they don't need a guy by numbers there, but they're clearly on the lookout for guys at that position by talent. So I would keep an eye out there. All right. Wide receiver. They say they want 11. I don't know how to count Cam Bab. I don't know if they think that Cam Bab's ever going to play here. I mean, he's been so riddled with injuries. It's it's hard to count on him. They love him. He's ripped. He's one of the best leaders on the team. He goes he's out there like, for the coin toss every game. Like he's been, he was going to road games this year as a captain. So I think though, I think they want him on the roster. Right. No question. But, but is he ever? Is he going to be on the field? So. I guess if you count him, they have, they have 10 coming back next year. That's with Olave gone and Wilson gone. The 10 would be Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Emeka Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jaden Ballard, and then the four freshmen. So if, if you have Cam Babb in there, that gives you six veterans and four freshmen. But again, I guess I don't pay attention to my own job. When Ryan Day was like, oh, we signed four receivers and we needed to fill that receiver room. I was like, did you? What do you mean? And it's like, oh, no, actually, you really did. You because, really did because Mookie Cooper transferred and G. Yes. Scott moved positions. And like, because it Jameson. feels like and Jamison left. Jamison left when he should be like getting ready to be the guy as a senior instead of, you know, getting ready to maybe be a top 10 pick. So how do we feel about that group? Nathan for next year again it feels like if you're picking three starters between of course Jackson Smith the Jigba is going to be one and then you're going to have two guys from Fleming Agbuka and Harrison Jr. I think you feel pretty good about that but what do you think about next year and the future at receiver? Yeah I really think even the the sourpusses here at Buckeye Talk would have a hard time finding fault in that room. I, I think that room is set. I don't really have any issues with that room. I know, yes, they're going to be counting on young guys next year, but uh, even more so than at cornerback, or at least as much so at cornerback, they're guys who come in with such a pedigree that you would expect them to be able to step on the field and produce pretty quickly. And they, and they have, they could even have one that doesn't and still the numbers work in their favor a little bit. 
But we saw flashes from McBuka. Um, we've seen some things from Harrison. Uh, Fleming, I think, is still the one that it's it's interesting what, what how he hits next year because it's been so up and down for him. But that's four guys for three spots when you include Jackson Smith or Jigba, who might be the best returning receiver in the country or one of them. Short list, yeah. Yeah, they're good. Because it is, it's like, so there's no seniors next year because Garrett would be a senior, but he's not sticking around for it. And Jamison Williams would be a senior, but he already left. So the juniors, they recruited four receivers, one transfer to one change positions. The sophomores, they recruited three. They still have three. And then they recruited four at receiver. But it's again, it's a world where if you want 11, because there are three on the field every snap, you've got to recruit at least three a year and sometimes four. And I'm not so sure that almost the idea of every year, we're going to recruit four receivers. And by year three, we're going to expect that two of them are stars. One of them has changed positions and one of them has transferred. You know, one of them became a cornerback or a tight end. One of them was like, eh, it's too crowded here. And the other two are first team all Americans. It's like, okay, bring in four every year. Sounds good to me. Running back. They say they want five. I guess they could have six. I think not everybody in this group is going to be here. Like, is Master Teague coming back? I don't know. He can. Marcus Crowley, Mayan Williams, and then Trevion Henderson and Evan Pryor, and then Dallin Hayden as the recruit. Steven, that's six. They need five. I'm going to guess that somebody doesn't decide to play for Ohio State again in 2022. I think – the same way I just talked about Taraja, I think either Master T goes somewhere where he can just be the lead dog and, like, get some film or, like, Marcus Crowley gets healthy and needs feels like he needs to press the reset button. Yeah, because if your top four are Trayvon Henderson, Evan Pryor, Mayan Williams, and then the freshman, that makes a lot of sense. And then the, mm-hmm. the two oldest guys, Nathan, are sort of the guys who would seemingly be in position to play the least, and that just sets up a possibility where – maybe what Steven suggested happens. Yeah, and we don't like to speak things into existence like that, but just in general, if I'm a player and I have an injury history, which both of those guys have at least some injury history, then at some point kind of as along what Steven's saying, like, well, what am I putting in all the rehab work for just to be like fourth or fifth on the depth chart? Like there, I think that's where the math kind of starts to equate because you you know you're bl- – like Trevor Henderson has – the starter spot locked down for the next two years. Like all those snaps are going to him. So how much you're fighting for less. It's a lot of work for, for less of a role. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then that brings us to quarterback where we know this was not news. They always say they want four and that ideally would come about by getting like a big time quarterback in every single class. They have three, C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, and Devin Brown as the freshman recruit in this class. The reason they have three and not four is because they're not going to have a senior. They're going to have C.J. Stroud in year three, Kyle McCord in year two, Devin Brown in year one. That's and We'll get into Kyle McCord, but that's because Dwan Mathis flipped out of the class when they added Justin Fields in 2019. So we were sort of... We're doing Buckeye talk phrases. We don't only do Buckeye talk phrases on the podcast. Sometimes we just do them in our normal conversations. I was saying an old hole. If you have an old hole, that's okay. Buckeye talk. We're actually going to have this. No, I, 
This pod is going to get the explicit no, time between it's, this and the taint conversation. It's not me. It's the drug companies. <laughs> if you have an, but if you have a young hole, it's like, we have a young hole. We've got to, we've got to fix that. But the old hole's like, what are they missing? They're missing a fourth year quarterback. So Nathan, the three they have, are they okay? If Kyle McCord is here for the 2022 season, Let's answer that question first. Or would you think that they are looking for a veteran in the portal, even if Kyle McCord chains himself to a radiator in Columbus and vows he's not leaving? If they have Kyle McCord for 2022, they have the best quarterback situation in the Big Ten. And they don't, so they don't need to add, they just don't need to add a body to that. Because they'll have some walk-on guy. Yeah, Yeah, you can, but I mean, Um, who wants to come here and be third string in a short-term situation? Like, I think that's a... I don't think that's a bit of a tougher sell. I would say I agree. They're not going to force it as long as nobody leaves. But like, I won't be surprised if, if they have the room, if, if they feel like if they're under because of other attrition and they have this room for it, they don't go try to find like another gunner hope, like a guy who's on another roster, who's an Ohio native, who would just love to be a Buckeye even if he means he's not playing. But Gunnar Hoke was able could come here and at least be the true backup. He could come here and at least be QB two. If McCord is here and established as QB two, then you somebody's coming in just to be QB three, and that's I I just think that's a different thing to ask somebody to do. I get what you're saying, but like it wasn't a good thing he was QB two, which is why he was no longer QB two the year after when CJ and Jack got here. So it's like, you know. So let me ask this question. We, we all realize, we all agree that would change if Kyle McCord would decide after spring football that he was going to transfer. Would, should Ohio State be looking in the portal now and bring in a guy and be telling him, like, we think you're going to be QB3, but, man, we, we don't know what happens in the world, right? Like, should they be actively pursuing that? Or do you just say, man, we are set. We have a great third-year guy, a great second-year guy, and a great first-year guy. We love our guys. And even if Kyle McCord leaves or even if somebody gets hurt, all that does is set up Devin Brown, who is one of the best five quarterbacks in this class, to have to play, to have to be the backup as a true freshman. But, like, we're okay with that because sometimes that's what these young quarterbacks do sometimes. How how aggressive – because – I don't know, Nathan, I can envision a world, right? If Kyle McCord says after spring football, you know what? I love it here, but I really just feel like I'm ready to play. And CJ's got this job locked up, man. I love the Buckeyes forever, but I'm going to blank because I think I'm going to be the starter there this fall. Ohio State would dive into the portal the next day to take whoever was available, right? Because they would have to get a third scholarship quarterback by August. They would have to. So yeah. if that's the case, should be should they be in there now? Because yes. you have to think it's a possibility. Yes, they, they should be in there now. I'm just saying that if I were on the receiving end of that pitch, that's a huge gap to me. That's a huge difference in what my potential role would be there. And you would have to be kind of going on faith. And and going back to Kyle McCord, like I, I he's in a, a really interesting spot because I think he's in a great position if he were to stay at Ohio State and C.J. Stroud left after 2022 to take over as a starter in 2020, 
three. I think that's a fantastic position to be in, but there's no guarantee that CJ Stroud will leave after 2022. So it, there's just so much up in the air at that position. It would be hard. I mean, if, if all you need is a guy, I mean, like what's, what's the equivalent? Like we're talking about a guy who was at a power five, but could never really play at a power five and who, um, maybe like Steven says, has Ohio ties. And there's a thing that compelling thing that draws him back home to be a grad student here and um, work on, maybe he wants to go into coaching, whatever. Like I could see that, but you're starting to thread some pretty specific needles there. I think you just got to have a list. I don't even know if you have to be aggressively talking to the people on the list. I just think you have to have, you know, an idea in your head of what you want to do and who you might want to go after. And that, I, and that list has to be very similar regardless of what Kyle McCord, it can't go from, Oh, we should be looking at, you know, Dylan Gabriel, who, I, who I think is like end up you know, transferring from UCF to UCLA to like maybe a Zach Calzada. It's gotta be the same list. It's like, regardless of what happens, if we've got to add a guy, it's going to be this person. Yeah. You'd be looking for a guy who really has never played, who would be willing to come here and never play. Yes, but they those guys do exist. And and if they Mm -hmm. again, it's like we have the scholarship. We have to be prepared for an emergency. And so like we've got we've got to get somebody. I I, I'd be curious if they dabble. It's like if you're about to be a senior at UTEP and you've been surpassed and you're not going to play anyway, come don't play at Ohio State. Right. Which, again, like, cool. I would do that. You get to see like what it was like. You get to be around a big time program. Again, a lot of these guys are trying to set up coaching careers. That kind of thing can, can be, can be a real thing. So I, I think maybe they would dance around in there. So I do think in the end with the numbers, again, I, I, if you guys want to write this down, I'm going to, I am like going to file this away by you guys. I mean, the listeners, I'm, I'm going to file this away and make sure I have this list because this is definitive. Now, the one thing Ryan Day said is he said, actually, now that you asked that, that's one of the things that Jim Knowles and I are going to talk about when yeah. he gets here is with your defense, what are you looking for in terms of numbers and how you think about it? Again, I don't think it's going to change that much, but I'll ask again once Jim Holt Knowles gets here. So write this down for now, everybody. So you have this, put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, put it in the glove box of your car. Right. Don't we all get it laminated? Right. Maybe you have your Vax card laminated. Like vax Maybe card. you have. Yeah. It's like, uh, excuse me. Uh, could you show us your Vax card? It's like, here it is. Excuse me. No, that's the list of Ohio State's ideal roster. I apologize. Get the pen. Here we go. Eight defensive ends, eight defensive tackles, eight linebackers, eight cornerbacks, 11 safeties. That's 43 on defense. Four quarterbacks, five running backs, five tight ends, 11 receivers, 16 offensive linemen. That's 41 on offense. That's a total of 84. You've got to think about a kicker and a punter. That gets you to 86. If your long snapper's on scholarship, that's 87. That means you're falling short at one or two of these positions, but we're talking about an ideal world. Photocopy it. Keep it close to your heart. Nathan, before we get out of here, he did not want to talk much about Jim Knowles because he was really focused on the Rose Bowl. But we got a little bit of the logistics because somebody was like, hey, is he going to come here and watch practice? Like Jim Knowles is coaching Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. It's like, 
no, he's not going to come to Ohio, right? He's not going to come to Ohio State's practices, is it? He's coaching Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl, is he not? I, no, I believe it was reported he's, that yeah, it's not happening. Not that it's not happening? That was originally supposed to happen, mm-hmm. and then that changed. It yeah. did. Yes, I yeah, believe that won't. was texted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he will not be coaching in the Fiesta Bowl. Well, then why, did he, why isn't he here all the time then? Because well, I was you, like, well, I'm moving. You have a full staff too. Like you, there's, but I like the idea that like Ryan Day says, like, he's not going to be here. He's not going to be doing stuff. Like he's not going to be in meetings. He's not going to be at practice. Okay. I, I understand that. I would be a little bit surprised if there's no communication going on there. Like if Ryan Day doesn't say like, Hey, we just lost our last game in large part because of our defense. Got any ideas here? Anything, anything you can, any, anything you can sprinkle at us. But I, but it is too like, but that's like, but that really is beside the point. It's more about like, get my eyeballs on Court Williams in practice right now because I want to see yeah. that guy, how that guy fits in next year. But let me get eyeballs on Lathan Ransom and Cam Martinez so I can start thinking about them. I think he at bare he's minimum, not- he's watching film of the practices, even if he's right. not actually at the practices. He said, Ryan Day said, I don't, I didn't think it would be right to bring him into practices. I think he's, you know, Ryan Day is kind of going forward with this, you know, this is the team we have, this is the coaching staff we have, we're going to finish the 2021 experience with this coaching staff and this team, I guess, unless somebody else gets another job. So he didn't feel like it was right to bring him into practice, but I agree with Steven that they can, they can show him practice. They can show him practice from every angle he wants to see it from. No, I know, but it's like NFL scouts come and watch stuff in person because watching stuff in person is better than watching stuff on film. So like, so, but Ryan day said he is going to be in town. I didn't, I guess I missed that. I should be a more uh, aware tech subscriber because that's what he's not starting. It was like a big deal when they announced it. he's not going to start till January 2nd. It's like, Oh, that leaves him room to finish out his season. Oklahoma state. I don't know. Did Oklahoma state tell him like, all right, man, if you want to leave, leave now. I, you know, I don't know the circumstances. I have not been able to today go back and look at Mike Gundy's uh, signing day stuff where I'm sure this kind of thing yeah. was going to come up. Um, so I don't know the circumstances. I just know that on the day that his contract details came out, Brett McMurphy from Stadium reported, uh, trigger warning, reported that he wouldn't be coaching <laughs> the bowl game. Okay. Interesting. Okay. All right. That's the deal. I hope that helps. You know what we should do? That would be a great promotional thing for us to do, would be to make little cards with the the ideal Ohio State roster. And on the other side, it would say Buckeye Talk, how to subscribe to texts, how to how to subscribe to the podcasts, what the website is. And then people could put those in your wallet. Put that in your wallet, Buckeye Talk. All right, we'll work on that. Hold on. This is like the old, why don't they just make the airplane out of the black box thing? Why don't we just make the wallet with the position breakdown and how to subscribe to Buckeye Talk on it? Like the wallet itself, instead yeah. of being like brown leather on the outside. Just, well, it could be brown yeah. leather, but it has the has instead of saying like Wrangler or whatever it says on people's wallets. It would it have says, like the breakdown. It says eight defensive ends, eight defensive tackles, eight linebackers, eight cornerbacks, yeah. 11 safeties. The uh, I feel like we could make it a jingle too. eight defensive ends and eight defensive tackles. No, stop. One of the things that would also be uh, why we wouldn't do that is because laminating a piece of paper costs 11 cents and a wallet costs like $30. So mm. maybe mm. for next Christmas. All There's right. We got to get our own boosters. We do. Yeah, we'll take them away. They were going to pay 
they were going to pay the safeties a hundred thousand dollars. And instead they bought wallets for podcast listeners. Not that we don't appreciate very much our current boosters. And if you'd like to join them, 614-350-3315. And if you sign up today, the day you're hearing this, it'll take you pretty all the way almost up to the Rose Bowl. You'll get all of our Rose Bowl coverage and what we're hearing about things going on up through there. I I'm not it, sure if that was a good segue or not. I can't tell if it was forced. It does, but th- that's really Buckeye Talk tech subscribers are boosters because you're, know, paying, but... you're paying money for access. That's why they let boosters go to practice. <laughs> they don't let us, they don't let us go to practice, but if you give the the athletic department like five hundred thousand dollars, you go stand on the sideline, watch Quinn Ewers throw it around. All right, <laughs> thanks to you guys for listening. That was our uh, roster management signing day Buckeye Talk podcast. This is getting to you Wednesday evening. We're supposed to interview players from noon till two on Thursday. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, between like ten and fifteen of the key Buckeyes. So the Thursday podcast is also going to come out in the evening because we're going to go talk to those guys and then we'll come back and talk about what we talked to those guys about, but we're not going to get one out Thursday morning. And then we'll figure out, I think we'll then do a Friday pod and a Saturday pod because that'll give you five pods for the week. So it'll have been Tuesday, then Wednesday evening, Thursday evening, and then Friday and Saturday. And that's how we'll do five podcasts this week. Woo. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.